Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to episode two of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. The last time I checked, my name is still Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. How are we doing, Aaron? Can't complain, can't complain, man. Doing good, doing a little bit better, you know, one day closer to getting out of quarantine, I, I, I think. So, so I'm going to take it. Just a, just a man with no complaint. Just a simple, down-to-earth <laughs> man, Aaron Riley is. You can't, you can't beat him, man. We got ladies, thinking ladies, ladies, he's single. Or or gentlemen, I don't I don't discriminate. Whoa, that's uh, let, I don't discriminate either to to an extent. Let's let's put it that way. Let's put it that way. Just a couple <laughs> of housekeeping things for the one and a half li- listeners we have. I mean, hey, it's you know it's an improvement over over earlier in the week where we are. But hey, we are now on Spotify. Breaking news around Spotify. Big news, huge news. Uh, we are also on Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public. Whatever the hell those three are. You you might get a virus download if you listen to a podcast on Radio Public and Breaker, but I would just stick to Spotify for now if I were you guys. Uh, still waiting if, on that if call. I can, if I, <laughs> if I can add, I, I think we're well worth a, just, you know, a single virus or, you know, at, at the most two to three viruses on your computer, it's it's well worth the listen. Uh, <laughs> I can I'll promise you it won't be the coronavirus, but it might be some some computer virus. So at least you're not getting, at least you're not getting the Rona. <laughs> might be worse but sorry hey if, you, if you're working from home and you need your laptop to do the day-to-day it might actually be worse than their own for me it would be 100 <laughs> percent. all right you know we're still we're still waiting on that call from steve jobs to get on apple podcast but you know we'll figure we'll figure that one out for the listeners here and we honestly might be waiting a long time for that phone call steve but uh hey you have my number i don't have yours i'm just waiting for your phone call and yeah, we'll eventually get this thing on YouTube, but uh, don't hold your breath because we are both inept when it comes to technology. So uh, those are those are the housekeeping things. How to get those the stereotypical intro things that regular podcasters would, would get out of the way first. We had to get out of the way first. So uh, Aaron, uh, surprisingly, they always come back for a second episode this week. I'm pretty shocked myself. <laughs> honest. I'm I'm shocked, but at the same time, I'm grateful. So. It's kind of a, a double-edged sword at, at this point. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. We won the coin toss. We, you know, we're going to receive the ball. I'll look at it that way, and we're going to keep rolling with it. I think we should defer. Bill, Bill Belichick always defers, so uh, I think well, we should go with that. Yeah, well, it might be Tom Brady doing that. You know, he might be making the decisions. 
up in New England. You probably the called best. the shots already. Um, I mean, I think I think in general we're still lucky to have. I think we're lucky that we don't have many listeners right now because if we did, there'd probably be a couple of Raiders fans and a couple of Derek Carr fans <laughs> that would probably get this podcast kicked off of every single outlet that I just mentioned. So uh, we might limit the Derek Carr talk, even though it was absolutely hilarious, in, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I, uh, in all honesty, I had a hard time sleeping after I said all those hurtful things. <laughs> some, some of those things I, I tend to regret, but some, you know, most of it, I'm going to say at least 75% was, was from the heart. So, you know, unfortunately, that's just the way we feel. I mean, I think he's going to bed tonight with 150 million big ones uh, tucking him in. So hopefully he doesn't get too bogged down by opinions from two guys in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But that's just that's just me spitballing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it might. It might do him in. You never know. That might end his career, actually. But we'll see how it plays out. Uh, to be honest, it was over before it started. And that's my last Derek Carr uh, take, I promise. Probably not. Probably not, but I promise for now. Uh, all right, Aaron. Let's uh, let's get let's take the listeners through what what they can expect. Um, what do the listeners have to look forward to for this edition of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast? Sure, sure. So we're definitely going to jump into the uh, NFL draft here. First things first. So uh, obviously that on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Um, other than that, you know, going to break down some Jets, some Jets information, some Eagles information. Um, oh, yeah. There's some information out of uh, out of the NCAA and uh, out of the college athletics. Uh, unfortunately, just more so delays on, on certain things. So we'll we'll dive into that as we go as well. But uh, yeah, really, uh, the NFL draft has, has been the biggest thing, and at least I'm glad that take that took place. Uh, you know, somewhat normally. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of uh, technical difficulties. I'll say, but uh, at the end of the day, they got that done, and uh, I'm glad that at least happened. So we'll we'll dive into that. I think it was, uh, you know, uh, you know, we can we can definitely dive right into it, and 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 you know, we we you know, we're definitely going to get some Roger Goodell takes off uh, here here in a few minutes. But just to give the listeners some background, virtual draft obviously happened because of the whole pandemic. Uh, wasn't held in Vegas. I mean, it's supposed to be in Las Vegas this year. It's going to be in Las Vegas in 2022. Even live on even though live on air, Roger Goodell said it was going to be in Las Vegas in 2020. Uh, because he, for some reason, cannot read a teleprompter and cannot read a cue card that is right in front of his face. <laughs> uh, what do you think was in those uh, those mugs he was drinking every once in a while? I, you know, was was that hot tea or was, was there something else in there? That's just... I don't I don't know if it was so much the tea that he was drinking. I think it was that barrel of M and M's he was sucking down that took him like half an hour to eat like seventy five thousand M and M's. Thank God he doesn't have to make a roster. I'll just say that. I swear to God, he was only eating the blue ones because he loves the Cowboys so much. That's a that's a topic for a different Ooh. day, though. Wow. No, uh, I mean, but by all accounts, you know, the draft was a success. You know, it's honestly impressive with all with all the turmoil you hear with the Zoom meetings gone wrong and Wi-Fi issues, et cetera. And, you know, instead of a, a giant production like Vegas would have been, I think it was nice to sort of have a, a large-scale event like that in an intimate setting that was ultimately pretty re- relatable. I mean, just seeing guys like Joe Burrow was just there on his couch in his living room with his parents and nobody else, like, Usually these guys are rolling like 20, 30 people deep in their entourage, especially in Vegas would have been blown way out of proportion. So I think it was, it was pretty cool. And like I said, pretty relatable ESPN and an NFL network had the double, you know, simulcast draft. And I think, you know, they, they did pretty well and, and just getting, getting an inside look at 
their process, ESPN's process, and GMs and coaches and front offices' processes, if that's a word, um, was definitely pretty cool. And there are a couple of things that stood out, but, you know, those are just my initial spit take reactions after we sat on it for a few weeks. But considering the circumstances, I think it was, you know, honestly the best possible outcome for the NFL, NFL Network, and, and ESPN. Sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, like like you said, there were there were things here and there. Yeah, no, I, I for the most part, pretty flawless. Um, and, you know, it was kind of interesting seeing into uh, people's living rooms in that take. Um, usually those are the later round guys or uh, the guys that don't show up to, to New York or, or wherever they, they normally have it, you know, be it Nashville, uh, New York, thing, things of that nature. So, um, you know, it was definitely interesting. Um, and, and it was probably the, the most exciting thing that's happened in sports in, in months, in my personal opinion. I, I, I enjoyed it. So, 100%, I think your opinion is widely regarded and, and widely held by fans nationwide. And as it turned out, in my opinion, the biggest glitch in the, in the entire production was Roger Goodell. I don't, I don't even know if you could consider him a human being at that point. It was just basically a robotic performance by Roger Goodell. He, he never really warmed up to the camera in his, like, oddly shaped, like, basement. And then, like, even throughout the weekend, he was, like, sitting down and, like, trying to be relatable. And he was like, oh, man, like, I need a break. I've been on my feet this entire time. Like, all you're doing is reading pics off a piece of paper. How, you know, <laughs> taxing could that possibly be? I, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, he made uh, what what normally it would, I would say is a is – an, an easy job, very, very difficult. Um, unfortunately for him, it didn't really, you know, give him the best look, especially with the uh, the screen he had. I don't know if you if you took notice of that screen of fans. Yeah. He he kind of gave this half-assed, uh, you know, interaction, like almost like a, a shit-eating grin, if I will. Uh, you know, and it was like, man, I, I don't know what you're trying to convey. Are you are you with them, or are you just am I trying to get this over with? That's what it felt like to me. I I think every minute closer yeah. to the end of it, he was he was kind of you know, itching to get it done. And, and I don't know, as the commissioner of the sport, I just think you got to have a little bit more enthusiasm. And, and he just wasn't very genuine in the way he came off, at least personally to me. So I'm, I'm there with the it. Whole, in my opinion, the whole like fan wall with, with, with like them, like booing Goodell essentially was like, I think it was like a little gimmicky and probably decided by, you know, a group of NFL executives, like a group of, like a, a room full of suits, like thought it'd be funny and like, thought that they could be relatable essentially like a room full of millionaire owners probably deciding that but like to me it was just like it just came off of came off as like disingenuous and he Roger Goodell is probably the most unrelatable person to ever walk the face of of the planet I mean he makes like he makes like 30 million a year and, and like I just feel like guys like that just can't act like they I don't see him going to a bar like sitting down with someone and, and watching a game and like acting completely normal in my opinion that's that's just me though no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think he's a first class, you know, kind of get out of my way. I'm coming through type of guy. But, uh, you know, I can't hate on him too much. He, he did something right to get where he's at. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely there with you. I don't know. Maybe they should have had somebody else host it. But I guess as the 100%. commissioner, that, that makes the most sense. I mean, back to back to the billing thing. I think I think I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but Bud Light did this thing. It was like hashtag Boo Goodell. And every every time someone tweeted that hashtag, they donated one dollar to like COVID relief, which I thought like was a pretty cool promotion, and I think they got they they raised over like two million dollars, I think. Um, I mean, not not to shout out our second, you know, beer company in in two two episodes here. We shout out Budweiser last time, and 
Bud Light this time, even though I think they're owned by the same company. Uh, maybe maybe Anheuser Busch can uh, can sponsor us. But I thought that was a pretty cool promotion, and and they definitely did it better than than the NFL did, which is pretty comical in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, not you know not to kick a, a horse while he's down, but uh, kick it definitely. I, I'm definitely right there with you. I, I just to go back to the point where I noticed where he was sitting down at one point and then he was standing up at one point. I mean, this is a matter of 10, 15 minutes or so. Yeah. And, and it was, it was just awkward. It was, it was like, you know, it was very forced. I felt like, and uh, you know, obviously this wasn't the way he wanted it to go, but uh, you know, he didn't, I wouldn't say he adapted very well at all. So that's just something, something we definitely picked up on. I mean, that's, you can't not notice his body language and, and things of that nature. All right, right. All right, Roger. Roger gets a pass from us for now. That was a good five-minute shit talk of of Roger Goodell. I think he's he's out of the weeds here, and and we'll move on. Uh, I think another big headline stemming out of the draft and draft weekend were uh, the various in-home draft war room, if you will, setups within GM and, and coaches' homes. Were there any that stuck out to you? There were a bunch of viral ones, like Cliff Kingsbury's house, Jerry Jones's yacht. Uh, I think Mike Zimmer was at his like hunting lodge and probably lo- looked like Alaska or some some <laughs> shit like that. Were there any that stuck out to you that you wanted to, to dissect? Because in my opinion, that was the most uh, interesting part of the weekend for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think uh, I think you brought up the the ones that come to mind for for most fans out there. Um, I think I was I don't know if I should have been surprised, but I almost was surprised at the fact that Bill Belichick's you know facial expressions were the same as when He's in, you know, behind the podium in his ragged up sweatshirt from 2003. I mean, it just kind of, I was like, man, this, is this guy ever actually genuinely happy about his life? Or does he have chronic, like, does he have chronic, chronic depression? Like, I, you know, I don't know, man. But, uh, yeah, definitely Kingsbury's crib. I mean, that, that's, uh, that, that makes a lot of NFL players, I think, envy that. So, you know, that, that really stood out to me. I don't know if you, you know, if I was in his position, you know, Hard for me to say, but uh, I don't think I'd be stunting that heavy as far as just, you know, that's just not my personality. But, uh, you know, hat, hats off to him. Obviously, he uh, he's living the, the large life out there. I mean, it, you know, it was definitely the flex of, like, the century. I mean, his house, if you haven't seen the picture of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's house, please take a look at it. It's, like, an insane mansion that leads to, like, fake grass, that leads to, like, an awning setup, like, that that's being overlooked by – a mountain range. It looks like it's like literally on, on the set of like a movie. It's unbelievable. And I wish I could one day have that house. And I think like Patrick Mahomes tweeted too, who, you know, Kingsbury was his coach in college. He was like, I just want Cliff's house. I mean, Patrick, you're, you're going to get, you know, 40 million your next contract. So I think you can afford Cliff Kingsbury's house, but I thought that was, you know, pretty funny and, and touching on the Belichick piece. Like he was in his house, like on Nantucket, like with his wife and he still wasn't happy. Like, I don't even like what setting is, is the man going to find happiness in if it's not, you know, enjoying, enjoying time with your wife on a private Island in, uh, you know, a very nice house. It blows my mind. Like I said, I mean, I, I don't think I should have been surprised, but at the same time I was. So that's just my take on it. He, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe here's how I look at it. I think he's happy for about five, five minutes after he wins the Super Bowl, And then uh, after that, he's like, all right, Let's get back to work, boys. So, you know, hats off to him. But smile a little. It won't kill you. Did you see his uh, his dog made an appearance? I did. I did see that. Uh, he stole the show for a little bit, that's for sure. 
I guess the story goes is, is you know, they made the pick and Bill, like, gives up to, like, take a shit or, like, I don't know, like, draw a football play on a napkin or some shit. And, and it, <laughs> he, he, like, I think his wife, like, left food um, on, on the chair on the table and the dog just, like, props up. And, of course, ESPN is going to, like, love that because, like, they're trying to be popular and cool. And they, I mean, I, I enjoyed it personally, so I can't really fault them for that. But I think it was just, like, perfect timing, and, and it definitely was pretty funny. But um, fi- finally, Bill Belichick does, does something right, and I don't even think he tried to do it. Certainly. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, not to beat it not to beat it up too much, but uh, it's crazy how uh, ESPN will kind of share just about anything, uh, in my personal opinion, just to get – you know, quote unquote clout. Um, oh, you know, yeah. if you go on their Facebook page and, and things of that nature, it's just, you know, there, there's things that aren't even sports related that they're just trying to get credit for at this point, which, I mean, I get it. They're chasing the dollar bill just like the rest of us, but that's a little bit of a stretch, I think. Um, yeah, 100%. And, and I think, you know, ESPN definitely deserves a little bit of pushback for, for their role in all this. And we were talking about it before we recorded, but um, I, I think they went a little harder when it came to the little draft, the draft like nuggets or draft facts they would put on the screen after each pick. Um, I think over half of half of these facts like had to do with some sort of tragedy or disaster that happened in a guy's life. And for, I'll, I'll give an example: uh, T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson, uh, going to be a great player. He was the first pick in the second round, so uh, first pick of night two, first pick of uh, Friday night. Immediately hit you with it with no warning. They put up three facts for T. Higgins um, playing with his highlights. One fact, he was a finalist for Tennessee Mr. Basketball when he was in high school. That it was like his sister's high school basketball stats. And then the third stat was mom fought drug addiction for 15 years. I mean, they just – I mean, it was, it was like a constant thing. It was like if you had any tragedy or disaster, like I said, in your life, whether it was like, I don't know, you got suspended from school for like – I don't know, beating a kid up or, or like your mom went through drug addiction, ESPN would find a way to sniff out that story and then put it into your bio on draft night. Yeah, certainly. And I, and I think in a time like this, they're, they're definitely going to, you know, try and reach and try and make any type of headline a major headline because they're just trying to get people to, to watch, you know, what is one of the only events that's going on currently in sports, which, which was the draft. So exactly what you said, um, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of disgusting at the point where how far are they going to take it to where, you know, I, I hope they – I figure they get permission from these people before they just throw that out there for millions to see. But it's just <laughs> – uh, it's a little bit disturbing. Like, do, do all these people really want all that information out there? I don't know. That's it's, the thing. I don't, I don't think they even get permission. I think they just sniff out the fact. They sit on it. No one releases it until actual, like, draft. I know, I know they've done it in the past and, like, I think ABC with the ABC stream of the draft was just basically focused on different stories they could tell. And then ESPN was like the hard hitting analysis. And I, didn't, I didn't watch ABC. I just watched the, uh, the ESPN version, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think there, there were a couple articles that came out after the fact that they were looking to potentially clean it up and, and change things up for next year. But I just thought it was a little much in my opinion. So hopefully they can get that worked out for next year. Um, all right, let's get into let's get into the first round here. Um, I'll, I'll read you off uh, picks one through ten, and then um, you give me your thoughts on, on maybe those one through ten, or, or maybe a few, and, and then we'll sort of run through the rest of the first round, and then we might touch on some, some Jets and Eagles stuff. But 
Joe Burrow, obviously number one for the Bengals. That was really no shock. Uh, Chase Young out of Ohio State uh, went to the Redskins with the number two pick. Number three, uh, Jeff Okuda, also from Ohio State, a cornerback. Uh, he went to the Detroit Lions. Left tackle, Andrew Thomas uh, from Georgia went to the Giants at number four. Tua Tagovailoa went number five to the Dolphins, then followed by Justin Herbert, number six. Uh, Derek Brown, uh, defensive lineman from Auburn, went to the Panthers at seven. Isaiah Simmons went to the Cardinals at eight. Uh, the Jaguars picked number nine, C.J. Henderson from Florida. Number 10 was Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle. So, Aaron, what are your immediate spit-take thoughts on the first 10 picks of the 2020 draft? Um, yeah, not not too many, I would say, shockers uh, this year. Um, as far as that goes, uh, Joe Burrow, that, that was pretty much a given. Uh, Andy Dalton, obviously, on to, on to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, start fresh, start with a, a new face in that organization. Actually, a kid that grew up in Ohio. So, oh, yeah. Um, We'll see how that pans out. You know, I, I, it's hard to speculate. It's hard to pinpoint exactly how well he's going to do. Obviously, people are going to have their projections and their opinions, but um, I don't know. At, at this point, um, you know, that, that didn't really come to me as a surprise. Um, as far as the Redskins uh, pick, I, you know, I can't really imagine being a Redskins fan. Almost like a Jets fan, I would think, as far as uh, the pain tolerance that you have to experience year after year. Ricochet um, shot. That's just, just, just the easy, easy, pal, buddy. Easy. Hey, just, we're just starting, hey, man. It's not, I'm, you know, you know, you're right, you're right. But uh, you know, it's not, it's not a cakewalk being an Eagles fan, dude. I think I'm gonna have definitely high blood pressure when I'm older, definitely high cholesterol. But uh, with that being said, uh, you know, I picking a, a defensive end, you know, looks like a stud. I'm not gonna lie, but I don't know if I would have went that way as far as. Uh, you know, I think you got to build up that offensive line, in my opinion. You know, you got a, a pretty young quarterback in there, Dwayne Haskins, who didn't exactly set the world on fire last year. So, um, you know, interesting pick. Uh, I don't – I'm not real scared of him. I, maybe I should be. He's going to be coming out there once, twice a year. But I'm not uh, I'm not shaking in my boots over here on that one. Um, other than that, I mean, not a whole lot of surprises. I think, once again, I mean, Detroit, you know, how impactful will that corner be? I'm kind of curious about let's, that because they lost Darius Slay. Let's let's so. talk about this corner. And I was going to bring it up too right after you, you talked about Chase Young. But I mean, in my, in my opinion, they they obviously needed a corner. But like, do, do you think Matt Stafford is the guy? And like, if he is, how much longer do you think he has left to be to to perform at a high level? Yeah, that, that's that's a million dollar question. I think um, I think Matt Stafford's a stud. I always have. Um, I think his problem is he plays for the Detroit Lions. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that they can't win ever, but it's almost like, you know, how, how much can one person do for that franchise where, um, you know, they had Calvin Johnson, they even had Barry Sanders back in the day. And it's no matter what they do, they just can't seem to get over the hump. I think he has another at least two to three solid, consistent years in him. But, uh, you know, he's a pretty tough kid. Uh, well, I shouldn't say kid anymore, but, uh, pretty tough guy and then you know I think he he has all the tools to be a great player it's just he's yet to to, to really figure it out um I don't know how long that coach lasts Matt Patricia uh had tremendous success in New England but everybody has success in New England so we'll uh we'll, we'll see how uh we'll see how all that pans out um that, that's just kind of my take I, I I think he's in the uh probably the top half of quarterbacks he might be you know 
might edge out a couple people to to be in the top 10, but it's either top 10 or right outside of the top 10. I, I don't think he's tremendous, but he's not a scrub by any means, in my opinion. I, I think the only reason Matt, Matt Patricia is an NFL head coach is because he would wear the fucking pencil in his ear. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting take. Um, think about it. Think, think about it. If you're wearing a pencil in your ear, you're obviously conveying that you're football smart. You can take notes at, at the drop of a hat. And and some idiot owner <laughs> like like the Literally. like I think who owns the Lions like the Ford family maybe they they don't know football they know cars dude like they're probably like oh this guy has a pencil in his ear and can talk about a uh, cover three defense let's hire him as our coach yeah I mean uh, you think you think Matt Matricia has two good two years left in him or you think he's getting the can after the fall, the next season coming up I think he gets the I think he gets the can I think he he gets a fat can after this year. Um, uh, if I'm the Lions, I'd probably have taken Tua there. Uh, I think I think Jeff Okuda, the corner they took, is going to be a great player. I just think the most impactful position in arguably all professional sports is the quarterback, and and Matt Stafford deserves a fresh start. The Lions deserve a fresh start. I think Matt's a good quarterback. Uh, I just think he needs to be in the right situation with the right line, with the right receivers, in the right situation, um, and the right guy calling the plays and calling the shots and. I know Patricia's a defensive guy and doesn't call the offensive plays. I just don't think he's the right head coach. And uh, any any season he's there, you're just going to waste uh, any talent that they do have. And I can't see them winning more than, like, five, six games this year. Uh, but, you know, we, we can move on. And I, I just think out of any other team in, in a pick, like, most of the other picks made sense to me. Honestly, it was it – was, I think it, it sort of, like – the board fell how I kind of thought it was going to do. Like maybe there was going to be a run on tackles early on and um, they ended up going 10 and 11 to the Browns and Jets respectively. But um, other than, other than that Jeff Okuda pick, I think every other pick made sense, but um, I know we talked a little bit, a little bit about the chargers and um, Philip Rivers last podcast, but what do you think of Justin Herbert? And do you think that he has the tools to succeed in San Diego? You know, that, that, that's interesting you bring that up. Um, I think he uh, – from the game film that I've watched of him, I think he he at least has the arm strength, and, and it seems to be like he has the consistent accuracy. Now, can that translate to the next level? That's always the biggest question. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's I don't think – I think people kind of took Philip Rivers for granted um, for the amount of seasons he's at least consistent. For sure. Um, bringing this new kid on, um, you know, we'll see. I think he'll be, you know, above average quarterback. It, it once again, I, I don't speculate too too much. Uh, you know, it really comes down to once he puts on the the helmet and the shoulder pads. And give us what a take. You. Give us a give give the people a take. What get? What do you want? Uh, you want a, a record? Like I want a, you know? I want a thumbs up or a thumbs down. What do you think this kid's gonna be a bust or not? The people um, the people are craving for an Aaron Riley uh, stamp of approval or not right here, my friend. Cause I'll give, I'll give mine right after you give yours. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure, you a scapegoat sure. here. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know that, wow. That's going to come out of, that's going to come at a, a high cost, but uh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to say that's a, uh, I'm going to say I have a thumb in the middle. Like, can that, can that Jesus be uh, sufficient? Jesus. <laughs> give me a take. Give me a take. Uh, I'll, 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 okay. What's is a thumbs up, you know, eight and six, you know, Seven and nine. Is he gonna? Is he gonna be? Is he gonna be the Chargers' starting quarterback for more than five seasons? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say thank I'm gonna you. Say, That's all I needed. I'm gonna say he makes it two to three years and then they move on. 
So. Perfect. He's a Mark Sanchez. That's all I needed to hear. Yeah, uh, I think he's going to – his numbers will be a little bit better. Careful. But I, I, hey, careful. I, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, honestly, honestly, I, I, you know, I was just, you know, getting a take at it. I haven't seen one single second of Justin Herbert's film. I've just seen pictures of him from, like, the combine and, like, his actual, like, headshot. He looks like he could be, like, 16 years old, and he looks like he could probably be working at, like, Target right now. Like, he, yeah. he would be, like – He's he's someone I would go to if I'm looking to like get a new phone and buy a phone from like Verizon. He does not look like an NFL quarterback. I don't is think that, he, I don't think he's gonna it, be I don't think he's gonna be good at all. And, and this is wow. this is this is just I mean this sounds like I'm shitting on Derek Carr here, but <laughs> I, I think out of all the, out of all the rookie quarterbacks this year, I think he's gonna be the worst one. Like two, I think Tua once healthy, like he does like a redshirt year this year and then comes back next year, whatever. I think he'll be fine. And I think the Dolphins have a good coach and are finally getting a good line and a good system. But, like, I just think Justin Herbert played in Oregon. Like, see, you see, played Oregon. Is, right, right. So what you, what you said is very interesting. You said when once healthy or, or when healthy. You know, don't quote me on that. Uh, you know, there was, a little bit of, there was a little bit of a uh, shot taken at Wentz last episode. Let, let's not ignore the fact that Tua is kind of like a walking emergency room. <laughs> um, so – with with that being said, I, I think the Dolphins are going to once again fall into mediocrity for years to come. Good. They're, um, they're in the AFC East. I just – I don't know. Basement. This is how I look at it. If you can't stay healthy in college, how in the hell are you going to stay healthy in the NFL? You're already – I don't know, man. I, I wish him the best. I really do. I'm not saying this out of spite or, you know, I've never talked to the guy in my life. I hope he can you've stay ne- healthy. You've, you've never talked to Tua Tagovailoa. I find that pretty surprising. You would I think, think. You would I think. think he was, but, uh, I think he was on our last podcast. <laughs> he might have been. Well, he probably didn't show up because he, you know, he's probably tore something or strained something. That's besides the point. Oh, but, uh, sheesh. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, the the, I don't know. The Chargers situation is pretty unique. They they've been riding Philip Rivers until he basically is uh, an old man at this mm-hmm. point. But you know. Obviously, the Colts think he has got something left in the tank. We'll see how your uh, your boys turns out from Target. Bro, but, uh, bro, I don't. Philip Rivers has nine kids. Of course, he has stuff left in, in the tank, and you know which tank I'm talking about. <laughs> and so, he might have something in. He might not. He might have something in that tank, but that that shoulder. I don't know how much he got left in the shoulder. Oh, okay, okay. I thought I didn't. I didn't know you're talking about the shoulder. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of we gotta, we, that's my bad. We got to develop the chemistry further. That's my bad. I thought you were talking about downstairs, not upstairs. All right. <laughs> All right. That, that's, 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 that's pretty sufficient for, for the top 10 picks. I guess we'll go, I don't know, the next. Let's just talk. Let's just talk Jets and Eagles. I don't really care about anybody else, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the, the, Jets, the Jets at number 11 picked Mackay Becton. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to really – uh, take a look at this guy's highlight tape. But as soon as they made the pick, ESPN immediately shoots his high school uh, basketball tape, which to me, if you're showing high school basketball film um, during an NFL draft broadcast, this player is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, that, that's just my take. He, he is, he's uh, 6'4". No, no, no. 6'7", I'm sorry. 364 pounds. And he runs a 5'1", 40-yard dash. That is like inhuman speed. He might, uh, you know, he might do a Bo Jackson type of thing and just try and play two sports. Like, are you kind of afraid of that at this point? Like, he might try out for the NBA and, uh, you know, a team like the Cavaliers might just hop on that opportunity. 
when he was posting up in a high school basketball game, he was literally twice the size of the guys he was going up. It looked like you could have taken a bite out of the guys he was playing against. He, I mean, he was pushing a truck. He was doing – he's, like, running up a hill. He was, like, pushing sandbags. Like, as soon as you show me a workout film, I don't even need to see game tape. I'm just automatically sold. This guy's going to be an absolute legend. And arguably, uh, his dad was, like, heavier and taller than he is, which is, like, insane. Apparently, his mom's a caterer and, like, force feeds him soul food, like, all day and all night. So, that's how he got to be that big, allegedly. But uh, Sam Darnold needs a blindside protector. Uh, Sam Darnold needs a safety blanket over there on the left side. And uh, I think Mr. Mount Becton uh, will do the trick for the next 10 to 15 years. Let, let me ask you something with that. Do you think – how many times will Sam Darnold see ghosts this coming season? I, I got to uh, ask. Probably none because he is standing behind a 6'7", 365-pound human, and he probably won't be able to see defenders either. Uh, so that might lead to a couple of picks. But at least we're not seeing ghosts. I'll take, I'll take what I can get. As long as they're not doing a butt fumble and seeing ghosts, I'll take what I can get. All right, uh, number 21 pick here. Hey, I just had to poke fun. I had to poke fun. Hey, hey dude, I mean, this is that, what else will we do on a podcast? we got to keep it interesting somehow. <laughs> Nobody's right. falling asleep yet. All, all two people, all two people that are listening have not fallen asleep. I think we're up to two and a half now. Uh, we, we gained half a listener. We gained one ear, not the other ear. Getting the Eagles here, uh, obviously uh, I could have played wide receiver for the Eagles last year, so they needed to take one in the first round. This draft in particular, uh, I would say from top to bottom, was pretty wide receiver heavy. Uh, Henry Ruggs went first um, out of the wide receivers. He went to number 12, uh, Vegas from Alabama, and then Judy went to Denver at 15, and then C.D. Lamb went to the Cowboys at 17. So at this point, um, with the Eagles picking at 21, um, Aaron, did you think they were going to be able to get a receiver here? And and did you think it was going to end up being Jalen Rieger out of TCU this early in the draft? Uh, I didn't. I, I definitely was leaning towards them taking a receiver. Now, uh, when it comes to them picking Jalen Rieger, that kind of kind of surprised me. Uh, I was more so a Justin Jefferson guy out of LSU. Uh, played at a bigger school. Um, he's a bigger receiver to begin with. Um, not as quick as Jalen Rager, mind you, Jalen Rager uh, at the combine didn't run nearly as well as he did uh, on his virtual pro day. So uh, with that being said, um, you know, I don't think it's a bad pick. I, his ceiling, I don't know how high it is. Um, the, the simple fact is he played at a, at a school where the quarterback was almost Derek Carr-esque. Trash. Uh, yeah, just – he just didn't have many balls coming his way. I think he was a freshman, too, the quarterback. He, uh, was. Yeah, 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 he was. Um, just, you know, had to deal with horrible quarterback play. So it's hard to say, you know, how good is this guy or, or how effective is he going to be. I think I think he'll be an above-average receiver uh, when it comes to the next level. Um, you know, I think he, he has the potential to be a Deshaun Jackson type of player. Whoa. Uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of – I don't – maybe not on his rookie campaign, but uh, I think that that's that's kind of where I see him fitting in. He's a – like I say, he's a kind of – he's a tinier guy. He's 5'11", so uh, not a massive – not a not a Plexico burst by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, you know, from, from what I'm reading here, at, at Pro, Fo- Pro Football Focus uh, basically ranked 
61.4% of the passes to be catchable. Uh, that was actually 118th out of 120 wideouts that were, were ranked in this category. Sounds so good. I, just you can kind of tell how bad that quarterback was. Um, you know, maybe Derek Carr and him should have some type of throwing competition in the near future. But, um, you know, I – I'm excited they got a receiver. Like I said, I, I wish in my – if it would have been my pick, I would have said Justin Jefferson. But, you know, I, I definitely hope he pans out, and, and I think he has the potential to. It's just, uh, you know, th this is the big boy sport now, and, and he's going to have to catch a lot more passes than he caught for uh, TCU. So, we'll see. All, the only thing I got out of that breakdown, which was fantastic, by the way, was you're bringing sources and, and pro football focus, and you're bringing some – validity to this podcast that I myself cannot bring. So I greatly appreciate it. It was a great breakdown. And uh, coincidentally, Justin Jefferson went to the, to the Vikings with the very next pick at 22 um, at LSU. Definitely was rumored to be taken by the Eagles, but it was Jalen Rieger um, out of TCU. Um, and I think, too, it's interesting. I, I read a, a story that Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, uh, was talking to. I think it was The Athletic. Um, so I'm bringing a source as well. Not a big deal. Uh, he, he was basically <laughs> saying that they pretty much talked to Jalen Rieger um, at least once a week after every week after the combine. And, and Jalen himself said that the Eagles talked to him the most out of any other teams in the NFL. So um, I guess if, if you were part of the Eagles organization or, um, you know, part of Jalen Rieger's camp, you, you probably didn't think this was a surprise. And who knows? Uh, you know, I think, you know, you have to probably trust Howie. Um, you know, he, he got you guys a ring. So, you know, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see. I think him and him and Jefferson will always get compared um, throughout the rest of their careers. And then another another wide receiver went um, to the, to the 49ers at 25. Of uh, his name is Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. So I think those three will probably be compared. And then uh, Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb will probably be in that tier one compared to each other. But um, I think all in all, six wide receivers or or five if I'm counting wrong, probably counting wrong. So um, that's a little bit interesting to me. And I think the 2020 um, wide out class could be one of the best we've ever seen probably up up um, to snuff with that Odell and, and Jarvis Landry and uh, Mike Evans class yeah I'm, I'm, I agree with you there I think uh, if, if the Eagles personally in my opinion if they would have moved up and got CD Lamb I wouldn't have been upset whatsoever I think he's I think he's going to be a, a massive stud uh, it's just my prediction unfortunately he's going to the team that I absolutely cannot stand so hopefully he doesn't pan out but, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, him go somewhere else and do okay. But I, I think he he himself is very dangerous on offense. I think he's going to be an absolute stud at the next level. I never thought I would see the day in which you would uh, credit the Dallas Cowboys for any football decision. But we're in 2020, folks. It's a new world out here. Hey, let me, let me put it to you this way. As long as Jalen Rager is uh, just a tiny bit better than Nelson Aguilar, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll be all right. <laughs> You know, you know who's throwing Nelson Aguilar now? Your boy, your boy Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. The name of this podcast should be Derek Carr Fan Club. Um, <laughs> another pick I want to get your thoughts on, Aaron. Uh, number twenty-six, uh, Jordan Love, quarterback from Utah State. He went to the Packers, uh, which is pretty interesting. The Packers originally had the thirtieth pick. They traded back into the twenties with the Dolphins. The Dolphins got the thirtieth pick among other things, and the Packers got the 26th pick. They take a quarterback when they have a plethora of needs other than the QB position. Obviously, they have Aaron Rodgers, one of the best this game has ever seen. Um, what's the fallout from this pick, and do you think Aaron Rodgers will still be a Packer in two to three years? 
I think uh, there's tremendous fallout uh, when you consider they, they moved up in the draft to get this kid. Uh, obviously, they saw something in him. Um, I think they're kind of nearing the end with, with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I I personally, I, I think he still has a lot in the tank. I don't think he's – I don't know. I th- I'm having a hard time saying that he's – elite anymore um only because he absolutely got blown out of the building in san francisco it was like it was almost like he he didn't get on a plane or something like <laughs> there was some type of i don't know it's like his his head was back in green bay and the game was in san francisco i don't know i think that that kind of sealed the deal on on them doing that uh, as far as trading up getting the quarterback um you know it's one of those things he took a lot of money in his contract and then you know, not too long ago, he, he came out and, and publicly criticized the receiving squad they had. You know, it, it's one of those deals where you got to have to examine it by all, all uh, basically all angles there because they have a new coach uh, just last year. It was his rookie campaign. He did a pretty good job um, taking over for Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Um, so, so I think he wants to go in a different direction. You know, it seemed like the offense was clicking most of the season, but then you got to, to San Francisco and it just kind of fell on its face, uh, just to put it nicely. So, you know, I, I think Aaron Rodgers maybe, um, maybe this upcoming season is his last year in Green Bay. I, I'm, I don't know. I, I think you're nearing the end. Unfortunately, he only has one ring to show for all the talent he has. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But I say, I say this upcoming season is, is his absolute last season in Green Bay. Take Quake uh, there from Aaron Riley. You know, I think anytime you take a quarterback with a premium pick in, in the late first round, um, early second round, and we'll get to Jalen Hurts in a minute here, but anytime you take a quarterback in the late first round, um, I think the writing is on the wall and he's not going to sit for, uh, I would say, more than two years. I, I mean, I think what Aaron, Ra- Aaron Rodgers has taken the first round, he sat for three years, I think, behind Brett Favre. Um, I think it's interesting, interesting. Um, that with, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is the same age as Brett Favre was when the Packers originally drafted um, Aaron Rodgers in the first round. So uh, I, I think it's definitely something to look out for this year. And, and until the Packers sort of quiet the noise, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a, a storyline for the rest of the season and probably into um, the 2021 off season as well. And, and, you know, it, it sounds like a new coach, relatively new GM. They sort of want to get their own guy in the building and um, you know, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has been the best locker room guy. I don't think he's been the best team guy throughout his career. I think that's widely known, but uh, you know, maybe they want the guy that they can control and, and maybe his skill set fits what they're trying to do. I mean, coming out of Utah state, I don't really think he, you know, showed much tape that is going to be, like, Oh, this guy's an absolute franchise quarterback, but you know, that's why they get paid the big bucks. And, and if, you know, if this pick doesn't pan out and, and you know, they could have easily taken a wide receiver here and um, you know, if this pick doesn't pan out, maybe, maybe they're elsewhere in a couple of years, but uh, definitely an interesting pick for sure at the end of the first round. Certainly. I mean, if I kind of look at it like Rodgers hasn't done a whole lot in the last, let's say four to five years, as far as uh, no Super Bowl appearances even. So I don't, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm not exactly pissed off at that pick. I think, uh, you know, he's getting up there in age. He hasn't been the most durable. I mean, there's been a lot of seasons he's been cut short. So, um, if I'm a Packers fan, I'm not really, I'm not really mad about that pick. You know, the time will, time will take us all down, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, Rogers doesn't have his hourglass is running out and, and we'll see. I wouldn't mind seeing him get another ring, but I, I'm going to say that he most likely doesn't, but who knows? 
from one probable bust quarterback to the next probable bust quarterback. The Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles with their second round pick. Pick number 53, select Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of Oklahoma, formerly Alabama. I know Aaron Riley teased this pick and teased this analysis in our last episode, but Aaron, the floor is yours, my friend, and please uh, give us some brutally honest takes here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're dead right. Uh, so as far as that pick goes, um, you know, when they first made the pick, I wasn't extremely mad for some reason. I, I think I might have been the only Eagles fan in the entire country that wasn't throwing things. I was mad for you. Well, I appreciate it. But, you know, <laughs> honestly, it, it didn't even hit me until later that night. And I, I started getting on the fan pages and, and the Instagrams that I do follow. And it, it, the more and more I thought about it, the more I sat there and thought about it, I was, I was disgusted by what they did. Disgusted, and what, wow. What really, what really, you know, absolutely put the icing on the cake for me is Howie Roseman comes out then a couple of days later and says, I'm, I'm shocked that the, that the Eagles fan base, you know, reacted the way that they did. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, where's your head at? Is it, you know, <laughs> it's up, it's up your ass, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's. I don't know. Like, uh, here I go again. I, I'm stuttering on my words. That's how frustrated I get because how, how many, you know, you still got Cam Newton. I, I wouldn't have been a, a huge proponent of bringing Cam Newton on. I think he's, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, attention is going to be brought that, that's unnecessary. I, I was all, all for them getting Joe Flacco as, as the second string. You know, Josh McCown is kind of, you know, to put it nicely, slow I'm not going to say that we need to bring him back for another year and and see that absolute abomination at quarterback play another snap but uh, I would have been fine with Joe Flacco filling in um, if if in fact Wentz goes down that that pick to me the more like I said at, at first I wasn't too upset I was more shocked uh, the, the more I thought about it, the more I, I figured, you know, th this franchise just doesn't believe Wentz can stay healthy. I just think you're sending the kid the wrong message after you give him a four-year contract uh, worth a ton of money, you know, a lot of guaranteed money. So I think if I'm the Eagles, I would have went Joe Flacco back up, sign him for a couple mil, sign him to a one, two-year deal, call it a day. But, um, you know, Dougie P and, and the boys there have an idea for what they're going to use him for. I, I Swear to God, if they use him in some type of uh, trickery plays or uh, gadget type. <laughs> Philly play. special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if he's on the field for, for four gadget plays this year, <laughs> I think, I think uh, honest, honestly, they should be, you know, some, some drastic action should be taken. They should be whipped in the middle of the streets or something. Like that. <laughs> oh, but, man. Whip, whipped in the middle of uh, Broad Street right in front of Geno's. My God, dude. Uh, I mean, I think that's exactly what the people were looking for. And let me play devil's advocate here since that's my job as a co-host on a, on a two-man podcast. Uh, Carson Wentz has not played and been healthy for every game in his career. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that you're right. You're right. That's a fair point. I, I am correct. So, so if I'm Howie Roseman, do I not take a guy in, in the second round? Don't spend a first-round pick on him. Do I take a guy in the second round that is, that is a mobile quarterback that is a durable quarterback, that is a winning quarterback, that comes from two fantastic college head coaches that knows a couple of different offenses, probably is familiar with the offense that Doug Peterson wants to run since Lincoln Riley runs some pro-style offenses. And honestly, a lot of the NFL is implementing a lot of the things that Lincoln Riley are doing. Um, so to me, it sort of seems like, a, I mean, maybe it is a little early and, and maybe they could have gotten him in the third round. I'd be interesting to 
poll the rest of the league, the, the league GMs, and, and ask when, um, you know, if if he doesn't go in the fifty in, in the fifty third pick slot, where does he go? I think that'd be an interesting little activity. We'll probably never know, um, to be honest. But t- to me, you know, you're securing your your future. And Doug Peterson and his staff have always been great at developing quarterbacks, even back to Doug's time in. I think he was in Kansas City, right, before the Eagles? Correct. Yeah, he's under uh, Andy Weed. Andy Reid, excuse me, Andy Reid's wing. Andy Weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's smoking, he's smoking a lot of weed probably this offseason. You know, he wants on the yeah, chip yeah. and everything. So. There's probably nothing else to do out in Kansas City. But uh, to me, you know, he, you know, Howie said they're developing a quarterback factor. I think Howie said that. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's just me playing playing devil's advocate, and, and that's what I would say. And you know, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of the same mentality as you. I would have loved for the Jets to get a capable um, backup, a veteran backup as well. But, you know, the most important position in, in your in your franchise is your starting quarterback, and the second most important position in your franchise is your backup quarterback. And I think they just solidified that for the next four to five years at least. Yeah, yeah, not, you know, I don't, I don't want to go all night on this topic, but I, I I'm with you on some of those points. I definitely think you make a, a very good argument. Um, for for being the devil's advocate in that position it's just I don't know if you're Carson Wentz do you sit back and say you know how much does this organization really care about me because uh if if, like you said I mean I'm pretty sure you could have lined up and played receiver at at one point last season and been more effective than uh let's just say JJ Ortega Whiteside for example I mean it's very kind of you to say that means a lot I think uh you know if there was a uh a scrub, an all scrub team. I'm definitely, I'm picking JJ Arthega Whiteside. That that kid absolutely did hardly anything for us last season. Um, you know, rookie last year. Hopefully, he, he now. What's funny is, uh, you know, I, I probably not a lot of, ton, you know, a ton of people know this, but now he's saying he was injured since week six or week four. He just sounds like he's just a crybaby. I mean, he's a warrior. He, you talking about Philly tough. We'll see, man. This is coming from the same guy that, uh, you know, had his mom holding his umbrella when it was, a little drizzle was coming down. I mean, shout, would, shout out episode one, bringing it back. <laughs> would, uh, would Vince Papali do that? Would, would Vince Papali have his mom hold his umbrella? I don't think so. I, hey, you know, Vin, Vince Papali would not, but Mark Wahlberg would. That's, that's a fair point. That's, he's probably a princess, just like the rest of the Great movie, yeah. by the way. Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> on Disney that Plus, check it out. <laughs> All right, that was, let's. Uh, uh, kind of a surprising shock shot at uh, Mark Wahlberg. I don't, I don't think that was necessary, but hey, we'll keep it moving. No, I mean he's a Patriots fan, so any shot is warranted. Uh, we'll keep it moving, as Aaron said. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll we'll talk about the next, you know, three to four picks that went after Jalen Hurts. And you tell me, Aaron, if you're playing GM, if you're in the big chair. You tell me if you would have taken any of these guys. So at, at 54, A.J. Epinesa, the defensive end out of Iowa, went to the Buffalo Bills. I think he was projected um, and in a lot of mock drafts to go in probably the top 20, not even in the first round, the top 20. So all the way to 54. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, running back from Ohio State, goes to the Ravens at 55. And then Raquan Davis, defensive tackle from Alabama, goes at 56. Aaron, would you have taken A.J. Epinesa, J.K. Dobbins, or Raquan Davis with the pick the Eagles took Jalen Hurts with? I wouldn't have had a problem uh, definitely taking the running back. Um, I think you pair him with uh, Miles Sanders. I, don't, I think that's a lethal combination. Now, now these guys are now second-round picks, mid-second-round picks. So, 
Uh, at the same time, you, you know, they're not first-round talent. Um, as you alluded to, the, the Bills pick, you know, he did fall. Uh, I think the Bills are, are one of those organizations where they're running things very well up there. Um, you know, I'm actually kind of envious because, you know, they didn't go out and pick uh, a quarterback when they didn't need to. Uh, let's just put it that way. But, uh, you they know. Have, uh, they had Jake Fromm, bro. You're right. You're right. But, uh, you know, let me let me put it to you this way. Um, Jake Allen was was a stud last year. Josh Allen, I'm sorry, Josh Allen. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I, I would have been more – I would have been better feeling uh, as far as uh, running back. I, I wouldn't have been mad at that. I think the Ravens are going to really just fine-tune that offense and, and just try and keep the speed at an absolute clip. So, I don't know. That, that's my take on it. Um, you know, it, if they if the Eagles could go back and do it again, I don't, I don't know. Howie Roseman, to me, sounds like he's backing down a little bit because uh, he said, you know, he was shocked and he, he was almost – it seemed like he was a little timid in his voice when he said the Eagles fans were shocked they took a quarterback. So, I don't know. We'll see. If it pans out, it's going to be a great pick. If it doesn't pan out, it's going to be horrible for Howie Roseman, absolutely horrible. Uh, Josh Allen will be an average quarterback next year. That is 100% guarantee. Um, to me, the Eagles, if you're looking to protect Carson Wentz, they could have even went offensive tackle or double dipped on wide receivers, I think. Um, just just in the second round, and, and we'll move to the Jets' second round pick here in a second, but in the second round, there's just a lot more value than than, than getting Jalen Hurts. Agreed. I would, I would have loved to see them take an offensive lineman. I would, I would have been perfectly fine with that. I agree with that. Of course you do, because uh, I'm going to be a GM one day. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, so the Jets, the Jets were at number 48. Um, for some reason, decided to give me an absolute heart attack. Trade back 10 picks with the Seattle Seahawks to 59. So I guess that's 11 picks, you idiot. Uh, to 59, uh, they selected Denzel Mims, wide receiver out of Baylor. Honestly, I would have been pretty happy with this pick at 48. Uh, but getting him at 59 is an absolute steal, and Joe Douglas is an absolute G. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure the Philly fans listening to this do know that he was with the Eagles. Uh, he was their director of, of pl- pro player personnel. That's a fucking alliteration, mouthful and a half. Director <laughs> of pro player personnel. Um, and then he came over to the Jets because he wanted to go to a better organization and actually win win some games uh, and have a healthy Ooh. quarterback. So uh, wow. he, he, I think he, he really played this draft well. Uh, the top two needs for the Jets were offensive tackle and wide receiver. He selected an offensive tackle in the first round, took care of the wide receiver position in the second round, and then um, took took a lot of good depth picks um, in the later rounds. But getting to Denzel Mims here, he played with Matt Rule um, and Baylor, former Temple coach, former coach of Robbie Anderson, who just left the Jets, and current coach of the Carolina Panthers. I think this is a good pick. Uh, he definitely has the potential to be a number one wide receiver. I really don't know why. I think he was probably right after T Higgins, in my opinion. That's where I think a lot of people had him graded. T Higgins went um, with the first pick in the second round. Denzel Mims lasted to arguably almost the third round. So um, great value for, for Joe Douglas. Um, I think he was um, universally praised for this pick. And, and, you know, I think he's like six, four runs a, a four, three, nine, 40. So blazing fast speed. And if you watch the tape, he can pretty much make any catch and, and, when the ball is near him, he makes up and, and can play above the rim. So um, I, I think it was a great pick, and I think he has a chip on his shoulder as well. He was a little pissed after the fact that um, he fell all the way to 59. So um, for, for me, this is an A-plus pick, um, and, and I can get your thoughts in a second here. What, what worries me about him is um, I don't think there's ever been a good wide receiver out of Baylor, and, and this just may be 
um, me speculating and getting too specific biases about different schools, but I, can, I honest, honest to God, I cannot remember a good NFL player, much less a good wide receiver coming out of Baylor. Well, uh, you know, there's always a first for everything. So I think that's a, that's a hell of a, hell of a pick. I think it's a steal. Uh, his size definitely, uh, his size is one of the biggest things as far as a, a positive for that. So I, I think that's an absolute steal. I think they, they did a great job on that pick. And it's only going to help Sam Darnold develop uh, more and more. So, you know, with that being – I wouldn't have been mad if the Eagles went the whole way up and, and picked him with, with the Hurts pick. So, you know, with that, I mean, everything everything's going to fall in place for, for that pick. I, I truly believe that. I think he's, he's going to be a stud as well. I really do. I really appreciate that. That was very nice of you to say. Um, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe we'll trade Jalen Hurts halfway through the year to, to you guys. We'll see what happens. I mean, when Sam gets the coronavirus, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll take anything at that point. <laughs> um, I mentioned the Carolina Panthers. I just wanted to touch on this insane fact for a second. I think they took seven players in, in this 2020 NFL draft. All seven of those players play defense. Yeah, I mean uh... – they're definitely going to be one-sided. Um, I mean, what are you doing? What poor, are you doing uh, at that point? Right, right. Poor. I, I feel bad for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, how bad can I feel for him? He's, you know, he's making the most money as a running back of all running backs. But uh, he also time, he also stole Danny Amendola's girlfriend, so that was pretty funny. That's savage. More, you don't really more, get you don't really get stats in this podcast. You just get random pop culture and like random references that that matter to, to on-field um, play. I mean, what, what has happened since, since Christian McCaffrey took Danny Amendola's girlfriend? I think Danny, Danny Amendola is now unsigned and out of the league, and Christian McCaffrey just signed for a trillion dollars. So you do the math at home, folks. Damn, Danny Amendola might be on suicide watch. Let's, let's just keep all that in mind. That's, that's brutal. That's he absolutely po- brutal. He posted, like, a super long, like, super weird Instagram. And I would honestly read it right now if it was still on his Instagram. I think he took it down, like, <laughs> 25 minutes later after he probably got shat on in, in a group chat with his friends. But it was, like, a super long and, like, creepy post about how, like, I don't know, just, like, their – it detailed, like, their conversations and, like, how she is as a person. And, like, I think she basically, like, posted a thirst trap and was, like, suck on this and then was, like, seen with Christian McCaffrey not even, like, a week later. So credit to him, credit to her, and – no credit to Danny Amendola. Do you re- I don't know, man. In that situation, I'm going to say I feel a little bit for Danny Amendola because when you're in the public eye and everybody knows your your business and everything behind closed doors is, is kind of opened up for the public, that that's rough. Yeah, dude, it, it was opened up because he posted about it on his Instagram. Hey, he was feeling some type of way. Obviously, obviously yeah, he's, he's, he's he was in his bag and his feelings, and he, yeah, he, he probably he didn't nail it. You know, you know what he should have done? He should have hopped on our podcast and, and talked it out. We would have given a nice therapy session. Hey, Danny, I got a, I got a really honest sports uh, hoodie for whenever you want to come on here. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'll give you Can a I get one of those? That's what I think. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, that, that, that'll be upcoming in the, in the following episodes and things of that nature. You know, the, these things just don't get take, you know, given to people for no reason. So, Danny, oh, okay. you're, uh, you're well-deserving. You know what I mean? You played some NFL snaps. I don't even have one of these hoodies, so let's just uh, let's keep that all in mind. So you're saying I have to perform better to to get a hoodie? It's it's just consistency, man. That's all it is. That's all it is. Consistency is the name of the game. The best the best ability is availability, is what I like to say. There you go. Just don't take any advice from uh, Jay Cutler or Derek Carr on consistency. Neither one of those are 
All right, why am I even talking about Denny Amendola? I have no idea why. Let's let's move on to the <laughs> third round here. Uh, the Jets, um, I think they, they had the, the 68th pick. It's the third pick of the third round because they absolutely fleeced the New York Giants and got a pick for trading Leonard Williams last year um, right before the trade deadline. So they go with the safety here, which is a little bit odd. Um, his name is Ashton Davis out of Cal. This guy's a track star. I think he you know won the Pac-12 championships for the 110 hurdle. 110 hurdles. Um, I think I'm remembering that correctly. You know, I think when, when the Jets, anytime the Jets mention the safety in free agency or uh, they mention a, a safety in the draft, like I think people are going to think of or Jamal Adams replacement. This is, this is not the case. Uh, this guy's a center fielder. He's an off ball safety. Uh, he's basically going to patrol and, and play well and cover two situations And Marcus May, uh, their current strong safety uh, is going to be a free agent next year. So, um, I think with this guy's athleticism, he brings the boom, he brings the hit stick. Uh, he can return punts, he can return kicks. He's pretty good hands. He picked off a decent amount of passes and honestly has good vision. And uh, for Greg Williams and the Jets defense, this is kind of like the perfect player they need um, to sort of round out the secondary. And, you know, in college, he played corner, he played safety, he played weak side, he played off ball, he played nickel, he played slot corner. He pretty much played like any position in the secondary as a defensive back. So, um, I'm pretty excited about it. I, obviously, I had to do a little bit of research first and, and figure out who this guy was and what his story was and how he was going to be a piece uh, in, in the cog that is the Jets defense. Um, I think he's a pretty cool story as well. He was actually a walk-on to the track team um, and then walked on to the football team at Cal. So um, he definitely has a lunch pail mentality. And um, anytime we can get a guy of that, that high character and has that kind of work ethic, um, I'll sign him up 10 times out of 10 times. So um, you know, I, honestly, I love this pick and, and you didn't really hear much about this guy until after the draft. And honestly, I think if we weren't in this, in this pandemic and, um, his pro day did get canceled. So I think if GMs and coaches and scouts were able to actually meet with this kid one-on-one and, and see him up close and put him through some DB drills as pro day, he probably would have went late, late first, early second, maybe, maybe mid to late second as well, but, um, definitely not in the third round. And, and at the end of the day, I think we're probably going to look up in, uh, the next three to four years and see this guy. Um, alongside Jamal Adams and, and, you know, God forbid, and hopefully he stays healthy, but, um, you know, I think, I think he's going to form a nice tandem with Jamal Adams and, and, and that secondary is going to be a force to be reckoned with. So, you know, for, through three picks, uh, I think Joe Douglas has, has done a, a pretty, a pretty phenomenal job. And um, I, I'm, you know, pretty honest when it comes to, to Jets takes and Mike McCagnin's, Mike McCagnin's draft um, were absolutely terrible and, and he was an asshole and, and stuck to taking <laughs> players. So, um, you know, to have this change of pace and, and have a guy who played the board pretty well and knows actually how to draft and find good value in these players is um, honestly a breath of fresh air. And, and I've been pretty happy with his offseason and, and his tenure so far. So I don't really I don't think, you know, this guy is going to be well known right out the gate. And um, I'm sure Andy probably don't know much about this kid, but I am pretty happy with the pick overall. I don't know too much about the pick, but. You know, for you and the Jets fans' sake, I hope he pans out and, you know, at least as a starter in the NFL. You know, at the end of the day, they got to contribute. These They're not getting picked for no reason, so hopefully they all pan out. It's also a sick name, too, to be honest. Ashton Davis, spelled A-S-H-T-Y-N Davis, Ashton Davis. Um, that's all I really have on that. That's just a cool name, in my opinion. <laughs> um, going from a cool name to kind of a weird name and annoying to pronounce, uh, with the 79th pick, 11 picks later, the Jets also picked Jabari Zuniga, 
from Florida defensive end. Uh, the classic, uh, let's take a swing on an edge rusher in the third round. I think the Jets have done this in the past. They picked Jordan Jenkins in the third round. He's an, he's an outside linebacker. They picked um, Lorenzo Malden, who was an outside linebacker in the third round probably three or four years ago. He's now out of the league. So the Jets have needed an, ed, an ed, edge rusher. Jesus Christ. <laughs> The Jets have needed an edge rusher for probably the past 15 years, and, and that is absolutely not an exaggeration whatsoever. And they usually take these swings in the third, fourth round, late rounds to try to see if a guy hits. I don't love the pick. I don't hate the pick. It's kind of a, a whatever pick. I think in the third round, um, you know, it's your second pick in the third round of that. I think you're just trying to see, you know, is, is this guy going to pan out? You're kind of betting on his on his upside at this point, and he can kind of play all, all over the line too. So, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, later on in the season, if he got some time at D-tackle or, you know, he, he took he took the place of an injured guy at D-tackle or, or D-end. But I think he'll probably play D-end or, or OLB at first and, and then sort of see how it shakes out. The, 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 oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. And I, I have the two. Um, you know, I think, I think, like I said, it's, it's sort of just kind of throwing something at the wall and seeing if it sticks. Uh, I don't think he's a guy that's going to come in right away. The, the defensive line for the Jets, you know, is pretty decent to be honest. And um, I think he's another depth player to add to that line. And, you know, do I, do I think he's going to really make much of an impact for the team? Probably not. He might be off the team in, in two or three years and I wouldn't be too pissed because I love the first three picks of the draft. So um, you know, again, this isn't a guy I knew. Um, I, I've seen some highlights and some things like that. And I loved what he had to say after the draft. And he definitely has a chip on his shoulder and proclaimed himself as the steal of the draft. And uh, we'll probably see if, if that comes to fruition. I don't think so. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it's sort of a value pick here. And this is sort of where he was slotted by some other teams. You know, you, you see some, some players going off the board next. The Raiders immediately after took two wide receivers. Uh, the Broncos took Lloyd Cushenberry to center out of LSU a few picks later. I think if, if they would have went center, I, I would have been pretty happy. Or or maybe you go running back here or take a different edge rusher. I, I would have been pretty happy at that as well. I mean, the Patriots took took an edge rusher like, you know, five picks later. So that might come come back to bite the Jets in the butt. But, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's sort of whatever. And, and I don't really have strong feelings either way towards it. I'm just – maybe a little disappointed that we didn't go for another position more than anything else. Understandably so. Um, where, do they, where do the Eagles pick? They picked 103. This is great radio here. I'm literally looking through these names, trying to figure out where the Eagles pick. So they picked near the end of the third round, Davion Taylor out of Colorado. They picked an edge rusher as well, outside linebacker. Um, he's out of Colorado, as I just said. I don't know why I'm repeating myself. But, Aaron, let's hear your take, my friend. Very, very, very interesting pick on this one. Um, you know, basically coming into the draft, hasn't played a whole lot of football, which obviously is kind of concerning when you're taking a, you know, yeah, it's a third-round pick, but hopefully, you know, he, he puts it all together. He's got some raw talent, that's for sure. Um, but uh, due to his uh, – he, he grew up uh, very religious in a, in a household where um, – he basically his Sabbath or his uh, religious holiday basically lasted from Friday evening till Sunday morning. So, uh, with that being said, he, he didn't really put a lot. You know, a little tidbit there, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm reading up on these, uh, reading up on these people. So <laughs> I'll put it to you this way, man. I'll put it to you this way. He played, uh, you know, just about one and a half games of high school football. So 
you know, not very, uh, not much experience on the high school gridiron uh, underneath the Friday night lights, as they say. So uh, he then went to, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's Coca-Cola Community College. You got it. Um, you know, played, played a season there. Uh, then he, he got scouted by Colorado. Um, upside on this kid, uh, he, I mean, he did run a 4-4-9 40-yard dash. Uh, he does have elite speed. Uh, the real thing is here, he, he can play a couple different positions because he was scouted as a linebacker as well as a safety. So uh, definitely a position where we needed to, to take a shot at, uh, whether it be linebacker, whether it be safety. Uh, linebacking core, absolutely one of the worst linebacking cores in football last year. Hey, uh, it seems like Howie Roseman just, you know, it just flies over his head like, oh, I guess we don't need linebackers. Uh, and then on top of that, we, we lost two of them that we had last year, Nigel Bradham. And uh, I'm I'm forgetting the other guy's name, but not a huge contributing piece. Not important. Exactly. But, if you don't uh, if you don't know his name, he's not important. That's what I like to say. He he was one of those with two last names. I mean, sometimes that works out for you. Sometimes. Ricky Bobby. Something like that. Yeah, I, that might have been it. But uh, with that being said, I mean, hopefully he maybe he plays some. I'd rather see him play some linebacker, fill in, play. I mean, here's how I look at it. He's going to have to make some type of impact because uh, the defense is depleted in that position. So we're going to throw him out there, see what he got. And uh, hopefully the, the lack of experience doesn't absolutely kill him at the next level. So we'll see. All right. I, I think we, you know, we gave the listeners the first three, la- the first three rounds for the Jets and Eagles. Uh, unless you want to take a little bit further, I don't think we need to dive too, uh, too, too in depth into the fourth through seventh rounds. I think that, you know, takes care of, of the draft coverage for us. And, you know, unless you have anything else to say about it, my friend. I will, uh, I'll just say, uh, you know, really a, a one minute take the, the fourth round pick that the Eagles did get, uh, I think was their, their steal of the draft. Uh, they picked Kayvon Wallace, a safety out of Clemson. Uh, a lot of people projected him as a, a second round pick, uh, slid the whole way into the fourth round. Uh, absolute stud, great tackler, um, just a real physical guy. So, uh, I look at him as somebody that can fill in, play right away, and I think make an impact. Uh, once again, it's safety. So losing Malcolm Jenkins, which is, is going to hurt uh, from a leadership standpoint, but uh, definitely a, a good pick in the in the fourth round at pick number 127. That, that's probably the, the the most exciting pick outside of the Rager uh, pick, really, that, that I look at as far as their draft goes. All right, fuck it. Here we go. Fourth round for the Jets as well. Number one, <laughs> number one twenty. Uh, they take Lamichael Perrine, running back out of Florida. Uh, they definitely needed to take a running back at some point. Um, there's absolutely a zero percent chance Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets past this season. I I like the the position pick. I just don't like the actual guy they took. Um, you know, there were a couple guys I would have taken. Anthony McFarland Jr. from Maryland is a running back. Went to pick one twenty four. Like I said, the Jets picked at one twenty. So uh, I would like that pick. I, I think he's going to be more of like a Bilal Powell. Uh, he's going to be a, a great number two and a great compliment to whoever the number one is. I just don't see him uh, being a breakout star. And I could be complete. I feel like, you know, I could be completely wrong here. I feel like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Running back, running backs today are not really a sure thing. And, and like you see guys like Kamara who, you know, are taking the third round and they're just absolute studs, or you can see guys like Fournette who get taken in the top 10 and, and, Maybe they don't pan out as well as their team that drafted them uh, might have hoped. So, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I think it's a good depth pick, and um, I think it, this pretty much shores up uh, the running back room. So they have Bell, 
they have Perrine and then they just picked up Frank Gore for whatever reason. Um, you know, wow. I, I th- hey, I respect Frank Gore and I think he's going to be great for the locker room. I just, you know, he had the worst season of his career st- uh, statistically last year. And uh, I just don't think he's really going to contribute much in the field, but I think he's going to be a good mentor to this kid Perrine. And, and if I was this kid, um, I would basically follow him and shadow him and, basically keep a notepad by my side, keep a voice memo by my side um, at all times and just pick up and act as a sponge uh, next to Frank Gore because he is one of the greats. And I think he's what third all time in rushing now. So um, like I said, not, not a sexy pick by any means, but um, you know, we're, we're going to get to the next pick here because the Jets had three picks in the fourth round and Aaron's making talk about the fourth round. So here we are. Hey, you, pick- never, you never know. You never know what these people are going to do. I'm pretty I'm pretty confident this pick isn't going to work out. Pick number 125, uh, James Morgan from Florida International, a quarterback, um, a questionable pick to say the least. Um, I think this guy is going to be a career backup quarterback. I don't think he brings anything to the to the to the table in terms of athletic ability and arm strength and just general being an athlete. Uh, it, it's kind of frustrating to say that a fourth round pick is going to be a career backup, but I, I just think that's where we are. I think the, the value here is, is pretty off. Um, there were actually rumors that the Patriots were thinking about taking this kid. So it's interesting that the Jets kind of scooped him up first. I like that piece. I just, you know, fr- from all accounts and from all I've read, and he wrote a pretty good article in, in the player's Tribune that I think he is, is going to be the most prepared player in, in probably the NFL. And that's, that's an absolute hot take because this guy lives, breathes, and dies um, in, in the film room. And I think he's going to really help Sam uh, prepare each week for defenses. And, and he's basically a 35-year-old in like a 23-year-old body. Um, so I, 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 like the, I like the character fit. I think he's a personable guy. He's a team captain. Um, I think him and Sam are going to become best friends. But I just don't think, you know, he might, he might shine in the preseason in a couple of years. I just think it, in the fourth round at pick 125, you could have went wide receiver here. You could have went, um, you could have went safety like the, like the Eagles did a couple a couple picks later. You could have went, you know, D tackle. You could have went inside linebacker. I just think there were some other needs um, that the Jets had that could have been addressed here and taken a, a backup quarterback and, and a career backup quarterback at that doesn't really make too much sense. So, you know, that's that's the pick. And and you know, Aaron Aaron mentioned Caleb Von Wallace who went 127, and the Jets had another fourth round pick at 129. His name is Cameron Clark, offensive tackle out of Charlotte. I think he's going to project to be an offensive guard. Um, him and Mackay Becton, who the Jets picked in the first round, are actually pretty good friends. So uh, not too much to say about this pick. Um, he was also team captain as well. He was offensive MVP in 2017 uh, from his team at Charlotte, and I think he's going to be a good character guy. And he'll probably take this year to develop on the Jets' offensive line, um, probably be a depth guy, maybe will play um, in some blowouts and hopefully – um, get some time at the, at the end of the season, but um, not too much to really touch on with, with this pick. Um, the Eagles had another pick at the end of the fourth round. Um, the man's name is Jack Driscoll. He played at Auburn and he played offensive guard. And Aaron Riley will now dissect the pick. All right. So, so really looking at this from, I want to take it from a Howie Roseman thinking cap. Uh, I almost feel at this point, it's like, you know, all right, let's, let's just try and help Carson Wentz where we can. Uh, I'm not going to go extremely out of my way to help Carson Wentz, but I'll, I'll do what I can here. So offensive guard, um, I mean, he's played both guard and tackle at Auburn, started all four years. That's nothing to be, you know, laughed at. Auburn's a, 
you know, a good, good football program there. Uh, not as good as it used to be, but uh, from what scouts are saying, basically is, uh, you know, length, the amount of length and, and strength that, that he possesses is kind of weak. So <laughs> at offensive line, you need a lot of strength. So, I, I, you know, who knows how that one's going to pan out. He might be, you know, out of the league in a year or two. But at the end of the day, may, maybe he goes under Lane Johnson's wing, teaches him a few things, and, and he can contribute. Hopefully, um, as our offensive line is aging uh, very, very quickly, that uh, hopefully he can make some type of impact. But uh, that not much like uh, – Daniel had said about the Jets pick, not a sexy pick whatsoever, not not life-changing or earth-shattering by any stretch of the imagination from what it seems like on the outside. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We will see. Uh, we will see when they eventually return to the field how Mr. Jack Driscoll of Auburn turns out. Uh, moving on to the fifth round here with the 13th pick in the fifth round, number 158, the Jets selected Bryce Hall, a cornerback, I repeat, cornerback, out of Virginia, this was an awesome pick. Um, this guy had a pretty bad ankle injury uh, his senior year. If he had gone out his junior year, he probably would have went in the second round. And if he was healthy this year, he probably would have went in the first round. I just think, like I said earlier with Davis, I think the whole coronavirus thing and, and not being able to get checked and not being able to host pro days really set this guy back and hurt his stock ultimately. Um, I think when he ultimately gets healthy, I don't think he's going to be healthy um, at the start of the year by any stretch of the, of the imagination. But I think he'll probably be healthy around week seven, week eight, week nine. And um, I see this kid eventually being a starting corner in the league. Um, I was watching tape of him a couple of days ago. His junior year, he played um, Duke when Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones of the Giants was um, on Duke. And, and I think he picked him off once or twice and um, had a couple passes defended. So I'm pretty high in this pick. Um, I think a lot of people, including myself, were surprised that he actually fell to the fifth round, uh, much less to, to mid to late. Um, fifth round at that and uh, kind of close to home for Aaron and I this kid went to Bishop McDevitt and he was featured on on the local news here so uh, kind of cool and and I think he's going to be eventually a starting corner in the league if not you know a two or three a good depth but um, definitely a great addition to uh, the DB room and, and hopefully once he's healthy he can make it uh, make a real impact um, on, on the field. That's awesome that he can't yeah that's that's a local guy there you know best of luck for him that's that's He's up against it with the injury, but, you know, there's been a lot of players drafted with injuries and, and they pan out. So hopefully he fits into that category there. So so we'll get to the Eagles pick here in a second, but I was just scrolling through the fifth round picks and the Bears took a guy named Kendall Vilder from Georgia Southern. He's a cornerback. That sounds like he is from like Game of Thrones or something. That might play into his favor. Kendall, they had a horrible draft, by the way, but. We'll get into that. Uh, at 23 to 23rd pick of the fifth round, number 168, the Eagles selected John Hightower from Boise State, a number, another wide receiver. How are we feeling about Mr. John Hightower out of Boise State? I, I look at that pick as, uh, you know, I, I think that could be something that, that actually plays dividends to them. Um, as far as that goes, I only say that because – the guy can absolutely fly uh, for, for being selected in the fifth round. I mean, he did run a four, four, three, 40 yard dash. So, I mean, he, he's a pretty quick receiver, um, not a huge guy. Uh, and, and from what the scouts have said, uh, absolutely needs to work on his route running uh, ability. So if I were him, I would definitely not even discuss any of that with JJ Ortega Whiteside. That's <laughs> it's almost talking to a brick wall at this point, but uh, Alshon Jeffrey, 
he's an experienced receiver. I'm not going to say he's one of the best route runners in the league. I think, you know, he should talk to this John Jackson if you want to talk about route running. But I think that's a that's a no-lose pick. I mean, if he doesn't make a real impact, at least we, we threw that at the wall to see if that sticks. Um, but he's definitely a deep threat, and, and if he can learn how to run routes well, he, he could be something uh, something very uh, underrated as far as, uh, you know, just because of how far he fell, uh, you know, pick 168. So, you know, hopefully that one that one pans out. I, I have a kind of good feeling about that one. But, uh, you know, Carson Wentz needs all the help he can get on the offensive side of the ball there. I think, I think at this point in the draft, I am mainly just – taking stock of these guys' names. And to be honest with you, John Hightower is a strong name. So I expect big things from Mr. Hightower. There's a, there's a lot of Hightowers that have had success in the NFL, so maybe he'll just be another one. Any relation? I don't believe so, no. From nothing I could find. But uh, Jalen Rager's uh, father actually played in the NFL for eight seasons. So a little tidbit there. Uh, you know, always love a family NFL tree. I think that's beneficial. That's interesting. Our, our research department did not, did not tell us that, so we might have to get on them um, <laughs> before the next episode. But uh, moving on to the to the sixth round here, uh, the Jets took a punter out of Texas A&M. Uh, uh, Aaron, your thoughts? I think that they just sealed their their trip to the Super Bowl. That, that's that's enough to put them over the top. That, that changes night and day their chances. Uh, I mean, spot the lie, folks. But you can't because it's it's absolutely. I mean, to be honest, taking a punter in the draft is like <laughs> I, I can't even compare. I can't even think of a comparison right now because I don't know. It's mind-boggling to me. But if this kid turns, I mean, from all from all I'm hearing, he's pretty good. He, I think he won punter of the year or something like that. But I don't really care. I don't think he really cares, to be honest. I don't think anyone else really cares. So, uh, with the 196th pick, the Eagles selected Sean Bradley out of Temple, staying close to home, and they finally addressed the linebacker position. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely love this pick for, for Sean Bradley. Uh, hopefully, it pans out for the Eagles. But uh, very high character kid, it, it seems to be uh, that they have there. So. Um, Dream to play him for the Eagles. He's from South Jersey, you know, just kind of a hometown story on that one. Uh, you know, played at Temple. Uh, just basically a, a pretty quick linebacker once again. I mean, it, it seems like they just set out to pick quick players throughout this draft, and, and that's exactly what they did. So um, got to see a lot of him play, a lot of time played uh, in, in the link, uh, if you're Howie Roseman. If in you're the link. In the link, being a, a member of the Temple, Temple Owls there. So. Um, yeah, pretty exciting stuff uh, to a point. You know, he's in the sixth round for a reason. But, you know, I, I hope for his sake it pans out. We need a linebacker. If he could even start, uh, you know, within the next two to three years, that, that would be awesome. And, and I, I wish the best for that kid, especially being that uh, that's his favorite NFL team. That's always a, a cool story. So, Sean Bradley, uh, yeah, best wishes to you. Four picks later, uh, number 200. 200 uh the eagles selected quez watkins strong name probably on the all-name team of the 2020 bill draft out of southern mississippi is that is that smu or no no I don't southern, think so, no just southern miss southern miss on that one. southern miss 
swing and a miss for me there <laughs> on that one. Uh, but um, uh, wide receiver Quez Watkins was the 200th pick. Your thoughts? Uh, absolutely love this pick too. Actually, it seemed like after the Jalen Hurts pick, Howie Roseman, uh, you know, got his wits around him and started to make sense again. I don't know if he was drinking the sauce uh, when he picked Jalen Hurts, but he's on the sauce. <laughs> something like that. He needs to lay off of it, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. But uh, yeah, I mean, he ran a four three five forty yard dash. Uh, first team All CUSA. I mean, played in a smaller conference, obviously, than than the than the kids in at an LSU or or at even Ohio State that type of deal. So, you know, take it for what it is. But uh, good good numbers in college and a lot of catches, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. So. Um, was projected in the fourth round. Don't really know. I uh, can't really pinpoint why he fell so far, but uh, we'll take it. Hopefully, he makes an impact. Uh, you know, to help Carson Wentz once again. So, so we're not out there with practice squad guys come next season. The CUSA. What is that? The like the minor league. The minor league of the CFL. The CUSA. Yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what I got from the scouting report. Uh, first team All CSA honors in in his first. Oh, okay, I'll uh, I'll check I'll check with our scouting department as well. I, I think they they uh, they might need to explain to me what the CUSA is. They've been dropping the ball tonight, so that's all right. All right, move over, Quez Watkins, Prince Tega, Wanohu has dethroned you on the all name team with the 210th <laughs> pick. The Eagles select Prince Tega Wanahu another time for the folks at home from Auburn, an offensive tackle. I. I, honestly, I'll go. I'll go first year. I, I think this is a great pick. Uh, he had a couple injuries in college, but um, I, he, I think he was projected to go in like the second or third round. So for him to last all the way here, and and he was one of the targets I wanted the Jets to take too. And you know when they had a million picks in the fourth round, but we took a quarterback. That's another conversation for an earlier portion of the podcast. But um, I think I think it's a great pick. And um, but I'll, I'll leave you to the X's and O's and to be the stack guy of the podcast here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy with this pick, honestly. I, I think, you know, uh, being that just a massive human being, this guy is. So uh, basically, you know, just another another piece that we can use as a wall to protect, uh, you know, Carson Wentz coming out of uh, coming out of the Auburn, you know, a pretty big program. Once again, I'm not a big guy that uh, likes these guys from, you know, let's just say the South Dakota State, you know, that's where Wentz went. Nothing against Wentz, but I like the, seeing the guys come off the board from a, from a big school if my team's picking. So, um, you know, I think this could pay dividends. It's a six-round pick. So, you know, if he uh, if he can stay healthy and make an impact, you know, I'm all for it. Moving into the seventh round here, the Jets are done because we got a punter and they immediately disqualified us from the rest of the NFL draft. And I don't blame them. <laughs> Number 233 here in the seventh round, Casey Two Hill, Two Hill, Casey Two Hill out of Stanford, defensive end Casey Two Hill. Your thoughts? Um, basically, uh, smart kid from from what every uh, scouting report has, has really mentioned about him. Um, has some some speed off the line, you know, getting to the quarterback. But um, basically, he, he's had a lot of trouble with uh, run defense, so. Obviously, he's going to have to, to shore up his tackling ability. And at the NFL level, it's only going to be harder as these guys are faster, stronger, and, uh, you know, more elusive. So we'll see if he makes the team. Um, 
that's kind of that's all I got to say about that. I mean, good for him. He got drafted, but take it with a, a massive grain of salt. Maybe the whole container of salt uh, because it's in the seventh round. So, put a fork in it. She's done. That is the 2020 NFL draft. Aaron and I tried to analyze it. I'm just looking through these seventh round picks now, and the Giants had four picks in the seventh round. That explains a lot that they're a dumpster <laughs> fire of an organization. Um, but that is the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, not to put you on the spot here, Aaron. Um, spit take, initial reaction. What is your draft? A through Z. Z being the worst. A being the best. Just go A through F. I don't want to calculate what an O would be. Uh, a through F. Uh, what is your grade for the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2020 NFL draft? Are we are we are we keeping in mind pluses and minuses? Or are we just doing hard letter grades? Pluses and minuses, you know me. Pluses and mi- I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a solid C on this on the oh. 20s. He yeah, asked not- for he asked for pluses and minuses, folks, and doesn't even use a plus and minus. <laughs> I, I went back and forth with it, man. You know, it's one of those things that some some of the time I want to give him a C plus, some of the time I want to give him a C minus. So I, I I'm gonna stay right in the middle. I'm gonna stay neutral. I'm gonna stay C. 70 let's just give him a, a 73 you know out of 100 um just not not an absolute stellar performance by Howie Roseman on this one I, I I'm starting to think Doug Peterson's a little bit in over his head um as he's oh, the mastermind hot take and uh, <laughs> just uh just pure honesty because uh I don't know I just think uh we got to we should have helped Wentz more in that second round. I, I just really think that, that Jalen Hurts tri- uh, pick was not not for the, the betterment of the franchise. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'll be eating my words. You know, maybe they'll be coming down Broad Street and, and we'll have another ring on our finger. But I don't, I don't see him being that big of an impact. And I think we could have got another wide receiver like, like the Jets picked up, you know, under, underneath of us. So, um, yeah, I, I just that, – that really sealed it for me. Um, the Jalen Rager pick was decent. I didn't love it. So that was the first round pick. Um, yeah, I, I think really that safety, uh, Kayvon Wallace out of Clemson, that, that kind of saved the draft for them. But, uh, overall, not, not a huge fan of this year's draft for, for the Eagles sake. Hopefully some of these receivers pan out cause they took a ton of them and then they traded for one from the 49ers. So hopefully, uh, you know, Hopefully it pans out. I'm just not – I wasn't excited. I'll put it, put it to you that way. Are you, are you not going to ask me what my draft grade is for the Jets? Uh, I'm not I'm – all, I'm, I'm all ears. I, I'm curious. I, I, think you're, I think you're pretty happy this year. <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid. I, I, am, I am pretty happy. It's fair to say I'm, I'm generally satisfied with the Jets draft this year. I, if I was going a letter grade in, in addition to a plus and minus, I'd probably have to go B plus. Uh, it, it's tough for me to give an A minus or an A or an A plus just because I didn't really love uh, Jabari Zuniga out of Florida, the defensive end. I didn't really love the fourth round. If if they had taken another wide receiver in the third or taken a center in the third and then maybe t- maybe taken another offensive lineman or, or maybe taken – um, maybe a linebacker in the fourth. I probably would have would have given this an A, and, and I think it would have he would have knocked it out of the park. Joe Douglas, I'm referring to. Um, overall, I think the first three picks were were great value. Um, they traded with the Seahawks, got an extra third. Uh, they traded with the Patriots um, and, and had an extra fourth. So I think from, from a value standpoint and from a trade perspective, uh, Joe Douglas knocked this one out of the park. I just think the actual selections um, were a little iffy outside of the first three picks, but. Um, 
at the end of the day, you know, if you hit on three or four of, of these nine guys, um, you know, I don't really count the punter in that since I think he'll be good, but um, not re- not a really impactful position. But I think if you hit on three, four of, of an eight-person draft, then I think you're doing your job well, and, and I think you're, you're um, one, one of the better GMs in this league, and I think that's proven over the last three to four years with um, some of the better GMs that we have in, in this in this league. So um, overall, I'd probably have to go B-plus again, like I said, and um, I think this is definitely a new era for the Jets. I, I mentioned Mike McCagnan um, a little bit earlier in the podcast and how dissatisfied I've been with him over the last four years that um, he had the reins and, and he was in charge. So Joe Douglas, uh, a good GM, a good first draft for this GM. And to go along with a decent free agency, I think the Jets are starting to turn the page. And um, like I said last podcast, I don't really expect too much from a schedule perspective just because they have one of the, the toughest schedules in the NFL this year. But um, I think things are coming up Joe Douglas this year, and um, I am generally satisfied as, as a Jets fan for probably the first time since like 2010. I think the I think the Mims pick will will live on, and I think that one will make a significant impact, like maybe immediately, but but definitely in the years to come. I think that was a great, absolute great pick. All right, so those are the, those are the draft grades for this year. Uh, we mentioned the records last podcast. Aaron mentioned nine and seven for the Eagles as his projection, and I obviously mentioned seven and nine, a repeat of last year for the New York Jets. Uh, transitioning out here, Aaron, uh, I do have a funny little, not funny, I, I would say a little interesting development in, in the podcast slash football content realm. If if you're up for it, let's let's hear it. I want to hear it. I'll- I'm excited so, to hear it. So as any normal human being, any normal millennial, I'm scrolling Twitter this morning. Uh, if you will, Twitter Twitter is, is the millennial newspaper. It's, that's how I get my news. That's how I get my takes. That's how I get my content. Um, I was scrolling through, and I follow a, a decent amount of Jets you know, content accounts that might shock a few of you um, and probably won't shock a lot of you, actually. Uh, but I follow this account called Let's Talk Jets. Let's Talk Jets drops a podcast among other dumb Jets fans tweets that, that come out throughout the week, but they drop a podcast every week and they tweeted out our show has always been about giving fans a platform to share their opinions, excited to announce a new series where we do interviews with fans, just talking jets want to take part question mark, send us your best sales pitch to enter time is flexible for interviews. So I like my, like the, entrepreneur slash content creator that I am, I sent him a DM because I want to get on the podcast. I want to nerd out about the jets. I want to spew my hot takes left and right. And I ultimately want to push our agenda and get our podcast of views. So this is my quote unquote sales pitch. If, if you're ready for this, Aaron, um, I'm ready. I love the strategy already. All right. So this is my DM to let's talk jets to potentially get on their podcast. I start out by saying sales pitch of the century slash why you want in parentheses need to be on the show. I'm not going to bore you with a typical, I've been a lifelong fan bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Well, that may be true. You want to have me on the pod for hot takes about the jets, AFC East and the rest of the NFL. I've always been an optimistic jet fan. And no matter how much turmoil surrounds the team, I've always tried to see the light at the end of the tunnel, primarily because that's the only thing us jet fans have to cling on to at this point. I'm fairly knowledgeable about the state of the team and roster and would love to get a chance to nerd out about the Jets. Have a wonderful day. In your humble slash expert opinion, do you think that was a sufficient sales pitch? Yes or no? 
Yes, and I'll give you a letter grade. I'm gonna give that an A. Oh my a. god, not even a plus and minus, just a straight A. I'll take it any day of the week. Um so so they responded. I sent that at nine oh three in the morning. Not a big deal. I was up early. Um not that that's early. I don't know why I said that. Um they said hell of a sales pitch, we'll keep in touch at nine eleven. And then I said, My man. So hey, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm gonna get on the show, but I might get on the show and um you know, Aaron and I were talking about this off air earlier, if you will, and, and basically I'm basically gonna try to say the words brutally on a sports podcast seventeen trillion times to basically promote our brand and get more eyes and views and ears on this podcast. What can you not love about that? A, a guy a guy chimes into his favorite football team and he's being in my opinion, he's being not selfish about it because at the end of the day he wants to uh you know, better the jet the Jets agenda, and then ultimately get our our name out there, and and we want everybody to listen in. I I want people chiming in and talking shit. I, I'll I'll gladly take that any day of the week. So I I think I think our next steps here. Obviously, we're gonna update the listeners. I'm gonna update you, Aaron, on on how this goes and how this develops. Ultimately, I hope I do get on the show. And um, I think without you know these let's talk Jets people knowing. If I do go on the show, we'll probably record the show and then play it on here and then critique it, do like a, a you know, play-by-play probably over <laughs> over this audio just for fun. And um, Aaron and I will figure out different ways to potentially troll them and, and just make it funnier for us and, and more entertaining for us. But just figured it was a good story, a good little nugget to tell on the podcast. And um, ultimately, we are finding ways to potentially create content and, and further push the brand out there. And um, hopefully we can recruit some of these uh, Just Talk Jets or whatever the fuck they're called, um, fan star <laughs> podcasts. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all about pushing your own agenda and creating content. And that's what we're here to do at Brutally Honest Sports. Couldn't agree more. You're, you're on. I, I'm, if I had to, to weigh the, uh, the odds that you get on that show, I, I'm thinking it's a 99% chance. Because think about the response time. I mean, that, that, that person read your email and he didn't even, uh, I'm going to think about emailing him back. No, that was immediately. So he was scrolling his DMs on the shitter, probably dropped his phone in the toilet, picked it up and probably sent me a message back. Cause that's how much he liked my sales pitch. Hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. That maybe it's right time, right place. So if, if I don't, I mean, I think we also have to think about this too. If I don't get asked on this podcast, we might have to think about a strongly worded DM that we can send. Well, well-constructed, strongly worded DM. We might do it on the, on the podcast for the, for the listener's pleasure, just because I think it's, it's kind of funny. And, you know, we're, we're internet trollers now, I guess you could say. And, you know, we love to stir the pot and, and, and ultimately we're just making light of the situation and having some fun. So we might have to cover our bases here and think of that potential situation as well. But uh, either way, I think it, it's a win for us. And um, if not, I'm just going to send them a link to our podcast every single day until they let me on the pod. So um, I think that's also a, a grill marketing strategy we can implement as well. I say, I say I'm all ears. I'm, I'm down for whatever, as far as that goes. I, I think if you get on that podcast and, and you don't say brutally honest sports at least 10 times, there's got to be some disciplinary action that uh that has to take place behind one of those things where it's behind closed doors but you know we'll keep that we'll just keep that in mind absolutely um so so we'll keep you guys updated um and and just touching on some other things for for the rest of the show i did want to talk to you about this aaron 
Um, Aaron and I were, were just texting about random podcast stuff yesterday, and um, he was maybe a little delayed in his response to me, but he did, he did have a good reason for it, folks. Aaron had his barber <laughs> travel to him during this pandemic to give him a fresh cut, a fresh fade, if you will. I got, I got to say it, it, it's, it's uh, an elite move. It's a bold move, and I love the move. I just don't know how the listeners are going to take it while we are in the midst of a pandemic. And I want to get your reaction, and I want you to defend yourself, and I may play a little bit of, of devil's advocate to stir the pot after you're done. Sure. So, so in all fairness, you know, living with a close buddy of mine, uh, we actually both utilize the same barber. So let me, let me preference this story right, by you, saying you, it. Okay. Once. No, I look like an idiot. You didn't tell me that. No, it's, hey, it's all right. Uh, you know, I'm playing the Howie Roseman card. I'm innocent, even though I, you know, I might've made a questionable decision, but, uh, as far as that goes, yeah, he, uh, you know, a buddy of mine scheduled it out. I said, you know, the, while you're here, why don't, why don't you take care of me? Um, you know, why not? Uh, the thing I, w- I was not under the influence of is, uh, you know, the price would be about double on, on what I usually pay. So 100%. by the end of it, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, the shop that he cuts at is uh, about a mile from here. So it's not like he's making a tremendous sacrifice. No, it's but, uh, you know, nevertheless, yeah, nevertheless, uh, you know, he, he did a good job. You know, he came to me, you know, $40 is uh, – you know, a little bit steep in my in my personal opinion. That's might just be a cheap bastard's uh, opinion, but uh, as far as that goes, you know, that that's that's kind of where I'm at. Maybe I'm a douchebag for getting a haircut during a pandemic, but uh, there's people doing worse things, and uh, that's that's kind of where I sit on that situation. Are we are we dropping the name here? Do you, do you think Governor Wolf is listening to this, and he'll eventually get a fine, potentially have his business license revoked? Can we can we drop the name, or should we? Um, you know, maybe not be stitches and save him some grief. Here's how, here's how I'm going to look at that situation. I, I think the government's listening to, to this conversation and probably <laughs> every conversation that you have near your telephone. So uh, let's just, let's, let's keep it to, uh, let's keep it to a minimum here. Uh, Cause they already know more than they need to know. So, so as far as that goes, yeah, I'll, I'll shout them out. I think in a future podcast, uh, you know, once I know there's no disciplinary action that can take place um, for everybody in the Lancaster County area for a fresh fade. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to stay unnamed on on that discussion. That's, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's, that's a great take. I don't think I've ever met, um, you know, a person with a smarter take. I think the government's definitely listening to us and, um, at the end of the day, that business will probably get its due at some point. But uh, kind of real, though, for, for them to take time out of, out of this pandemic and, and give you a fresh cut, in my opinion. Hey, somebody, somebody's got to make money during this, during this epidemic. That's how I look at it. So, you know, more power to you if you're going out there and you're working. You know, I'm definitely grateful for all the, the restaurant workers still – Still slaving away. Uh, I definitely think they deserve some type of bump in pay, even if it's temporary. Uh, it's just my own personal take on on this situation. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely definitely grateful for uh, the people that are going out there and, and really risking it, to say the least. Hey, speaking of a bump in pay, uh, did you see Jeff Bezos is going to be a trillionaire? I did not, but I completely uh, don't doubt that whatsoever. 
I think it was, I think it, I read an article or read a tweet or whatever I saw. I think it, by 2026, he is on pace to become the world's first trillionaire. Yeah, it must be a great, absolute great feeling. Uh, you know, I can't relate whatsoever, but uh, good for him. He obviously found the formula for success. What's your What's your first purchase after after you hear the news that you're a newly minted trillionaire? The urge, the urge to uh, to buy the Philadelphia Eagles would definitely be there. Um, with that amount of money, you can you can buy the Eagles, and then uh, I, I everything has a price point, and that's how I look at it. But uh, may, maybe Baltimore Orioles that that, that might be pretty lucrative uh, if run the right way. But uh, yeah, that maybe an, a private island, something like that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be against that either. You you could buy the AL East and the and the NFC East. I think you could buy all eight of those teams, or however many teams are in both those divisions. That would be. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten into uh, buying a potential team yet. Uh, that might be something he might want to think about um, when sports do obviously come back and normalize once again. I think I would honestly just buy golf courses just so I can play whenever I'd probably buy like Pebble Beach, like Augusta, or just like going around and buying my own personal top notch golf course just so I could play whenever I wanted to play. I think Pebble Beach, yeah, I think that's that's well worth the money. How's your uh how's your golf game these days? Uh let me let me compare it to somebody we we we've spoken about quite often on this show. Who's that? Uh, quarterback of the the now Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, it's probably on par with his quarterback skill. How uh, how do you size up in comparison to to somebody to think of as far as a lefty goes? Uh, if you were to play Phil Mickelson, just let's say uh, on on nine holes, or let's not just you know not a full eighteen, just you know quick nine holes with with Phil how, how many how many strokes are between you and Phil Mickelson uh it definitely depends on on the course we play but I, I mean I gotta say at least like 15 I mean you know 15 20 maybe just on nine which is absolutely insane but I think he would dust me by by like at least 15 20 I mean, maybe this is me being advantageous, but I I think if you can uh, if you can stay within 15 strokes of Phil Mickelson on nine holes, I, I, there's something to be said for that. Because I I think I we'd run out of time. It would get dark, uh, you know that type of thing. If I were to play really anybody on the PGA Tour, I I would probably lose all the golf balls I went out there with. It's probably Dude, what I, would happen. I can't even be like a I can't even be like a 12 year old at the at the at, overlook the local uh, the local municipal course i put we pulled up to we pulled up my i played my dad last week and we pulled up to overlook and and we we have the seven o'clock tea time because we both had to work after we're just walking nine holes uh you can't get a car you can only walk because of social distance and and all that stuff and they don't want to sanitize carts and, and all that bs which is which i understand and i appreciate but there is no way i'm walking 18 holes because i'll be dead by the 15th hole um so we're, we're walking nine we're, we had the seven o'clock tea time we're the first ones out we think we're going to be alone uh looking forward to it. We, we roll up to the parking lot and there's this guy who is just absolutely hacking away at the air in the parking lot he's got his full gear he's got he's full fully geared out 
got his tour golf bag, got his quarter zip, got his golf pants, has his golf shoes, has like a Millersville like golf head cover, which is like, I mean, sick. You played like Millersville golf, like you're the man. He's absolutely like going to town and, and like stretching and like trying to like chat with us. And I'm like, dude, I am just like, this is just not a good start to my round. And you're kind of getting in my head a little bit. And I wish you would just like kind of back off. So eventually I was just like, you know what, like, you, you just go ahead. You go, you go to the first tee. Uh, you, you take it over. You're going to be way ahead of us. And, and he was walking 18. I was like, you're an absolute hardo. But uh, he, needless to say, he, he, he got in my head pretty early on and I missed every single fairway um, on the nine holes. And I think I honestly I don't blame it on my, my own golf game. I blame it on being rattled in, it rattled in the parking lot pre-round. <laughs> Maybe, uh, maybe if they would have served a couple cold brewskis uh, at that time, that could have like you know neutralized that the rattle that you experienced. Um, that's really all I can I can really think of. That that would be my recommendation. I mean, not I'm not advocating that our viewers go out there and get absolutely hammered. That, that is not. I don't want somebody putting words in my mouth. But uh, I think uh, just you know a cold brew or you know maybe two. At, Right before tea time, went wouldn't hurt next time. That's that's all I can really say. Might help, might hurt, actually. So It definitely might help, and, and maybe I just go with the simple Baileys and the coffee since it is at 7 in the morning. And we're playing tomorrow, too. We're playing at 7.30. So after it takes me, like, two hours to, to download this and edit this, we're, I'm going to get, like, three hours of sleep, and we're going to play golf at 7.30, my dad and I again, which I'm very much looking forward to because – Golf is one of the only activities I can actually do in the quarantine. But if I see that guy's face again tomorrow in the parking lot, I might go up to him and punch him in the face pre-round <laughs> just just to get ready to go. I, I can't I can't go into the round standing on the first tee being intimidated by a Millersville golfer again. It just can't happen. How many how many th- how many golf courses do you think at at seven o'clock in the morning the other day when you played had had a similar had a similar uh, experience as far as this, uh, an absolute hard ass showing up at, at that time. And, and what, what remind me, what day of the week did you play? What a Tuesday it, or something? It, it was last, it was last Thursday. Okay. On a Thursday. How, do, you, do you think that was a, you know, a highly probable event that happened? I mean, to me, I, I thought you'd be the only one on that court. That, that shocks me. Let, let me tell Absolutely you. Absolutely sh- shocks me. Let, let me let me tell you something. The, the only place that happened was Overlook Golf Course. And because I just have the world's worst luck, I guarantee you, like, LCC, Cross Gates, like, the only place this was happening was Overlook because I happened to be there. My dad and I happened to be there at, at 7 o'clock in the morning thinking that it would be empty, thinking we'd just go right for the first tee hit and we have to deal with anyone and any bullshit. But the only course in Lancaster County, probably in the state, that happened was at Overlake Golf Course at seven in the morning, just because I was I happened to be present at the time. I'm almost sure if we both showed up, and, and let's just say at a neutral site, it doesn't even matter where, uh, at, at a seven o'clock tea time, I think there'd be a parking lot full of cars, and we wouldn't even be able to get onto the course. <laughs> With your luck and my luck combined, that, that's a recipe for uh, absolute disaster. I would just go back to bed at that point. I think I would just chalk that chalk that one up to to being an L, and 
um, I would honestly just leave. But maybe maybe we will go out on the course at some point, and and we'll we'll have to let the listeners know how how it turned out. But we're definitely not going at seven a.m. because um, I, I wouldn't want our, our luck to turn um, <laughs> turn doubly for the worst there. So, but yeah, maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll see the same kid tomorrow. Maybe we'll have another run in, and maybe we'll have to actually mouth off to him this time. But uh, I will certainly let you guys know. I think uh, I definitely think if we both hit the hit the course, um, you know, and, and we have an audio file, that might be something where it'll be like 18 and over as far as uh, who who should be listening to that because the amount of profanity that, that's going to be spewed into into the heavens uh, will will be absolutely disturbing to most most average people. I would say it's just uh, definitely a take. If we get out on the course, that's 100% going to be a video. It's not going to be an audio. Audio is not going to do it justice, and we're 100% videoing every shot, and, and <laughs> everyone's just going to get a feel for how degenerate we are at the sport of golf. Over, over or under two clubs being thrown on nine holes? Ha- hammer the over. <laughs> yeah. The tens. Five to ten is probably the the realistic ballpark for that. I would say. That's that's a safe number. Uh, I, I think five to ten is pretty, maybe a putter as well. If you count a putter, maybe I'll get pissed off from the green at some point. Driver drivers going for sure, probably by hole three, and we'll probably just have to get through the rest of the round with with maybe a, a seven iron tin cup style. But uh, yeah, you know, hopefully the putter survives that one. <laughs> Yeah, the the putter that's that's where it really gets to me. That's where I, I want to snap the club in half and and chuck it into the abyss. That's absolutely pushes me to the limit of patience. Uh, I think that uh, is enough golf talk for for our listeners. I think they've probably tuned out at this point and they don't want to hear about my degenerate golf game. But but nonetheless, um, <laughs> thank you everyone for for tuning in. Uh, Aaron, why don't you wrap us up here and, and take us home? Yeah, thanks to everybody that tuned in this week. Um, you know, as we progress and and as sports finally come back to uh, some type of normalcy at some point, you know, that'll be exciting. But I very much appreciate everybody hanging with us through this episode. Uh, hopefully, you got in some laughs. Um, you know, don't take us too seriously here. I don't think you do. I think you probably think we're two jackasses <laughs> in reality, but that's okay with me. I'll chalk that up as a W. Um, and yeah, let's uh, let's just we're gonna take it home. Take it home on this one. <laughs>